Hello, welcome to Spiritual Warfare. My name is Teresa. And hello, my name is Kay. Today we'll be reading from the book by Jenny Allen, made for this. And Kay, we're going to talk about the voices we listen to. What is the Bible verse for that? Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ. Our heads get so crowded. There are opinions shouting out everywhere from parents, pastors, spouses, friends, and co-workers. If we let them all decide who we are and not what we do with our lives, it gets way too crowded. We feel so confused and wonder why we can't hear God. The thing is, we have to decide who we will listen to. So when I dream or sense some direction, I take that to my people, Scripture, the Holy Spirit, my husband, my elders, and mentor, my small group of friends who love God deeply and aren't afraid to kick me in the tail or push me to obey, even if my obedience looks different from theirs. To these voices I submit, I receive truth, and I count the cost. Pick your voices and then be prepared and willing to disappoint the test. <laughs> we have to decide whom we will listen to and whom we won't. You're not obligated to bend to the convictions and judgments of every person around you. Or you will never do anything. Choose to obligate yourself to a few trusted voices. When my few voices affirm and release me, I run. And when they pull me in, I stop and listen. A dream-releasing spouse. The main earthly voice in my life is my husband. I often am asked, as a mother and a pastor's wife and writer, how do you do it all? I have a lot of help. Sisters and help with cleaning and administrative help. But the most obvious answer is that without the blessing, leadership, and sacrifice of my husband, with all I have in my life, I would be unable to do any of it. We have fought our way to a good marriage, and it has not been easy. But a passionate and strong and independent as I can be, it actually feels so good to come under his leadership. There isn't a doubt that the measure of support we feel from our husband's if we are married, will and should affect our dreams. I asked Zach to share his road to releasing and leading me to use my gifts and fulfill my callings. Here's what he had to say to husbands. A letter from Zach. In the midst of 16 years of marriage, many moves, four kids, mortgages, and unfulfilling jobs, the dreams we dreamed on many dates before marriage quickly gave way to a lot of weighty responsibility. I went from trying to win this girl's heart and longing for her freedom to pursue God's dream for her to actually using the Bible's language of submission to kill any dream that would inconvenience or threaten me. So not long ago after the wedding day, Jenny found herself with a passive aggressive emotionless husband and her God-given passions and dreams began to die. At the time, I thought I was right and biblically justified in my leadership of Jenny. But I was wrong. 
I had memorized, wives, submit yourself to your husband from Ephesians 5.22, but had no clue of what it meant for husbands to nourish and cherish their wives. Honestly, it took years for me to grow in maturity to see my error. And if you find yourself reading this and realizing you no longer have a clue how to nourish and cherish, take courage. Neither do countless other men reading this letter that their wives ask them to read. Know first that my goal is not to beat you down, but rather to call you to one of the most noble callings of your life. Husbands, don't miss this. To nourish and cherish your wife means taking the initiative to shepherd her gifts and callings to help her dream. It took me years to realize the problem wasn't being married to a passionate, gifted, unsubmissive wife who would start using her gifts only to have me reel her back into reality. The problem was me, my misunderstanding of my role to lead us as a team on mission and my resentment of seeing my wife walking in freedom while I was immersed in my own insecurities. Husbands, if you are still reading this, I believe you really want your wife to be all she is designed to be in Christ. And I believe you want to affirm her God-given dreams and callings. So how do you become a dream-releasing husband? Realize you have nothing to prove. If you are in Christ, you have nothing left to prove. Jesus fulfilled your desperate desire to measure up. The more the truth sinks in, the less you will look to your job or money or to your wife for fulfillment. Dream-leasing husbands are secure in Christ. Amen. Take hold of your role. Realize that your call to nourish and cherish your wife does not depend on her performance. As you become more secure in your own identity in Christ, you will begin to experience the joy of seeing your wife use her gifts and respond to her callings. Embrace the loss of control. As you become more secure in Christ and begin cheering on your wife to use her gifts too, you'll feel a new tension surface, a life that feels semi-chaotic. You realize that what you have been calling balance for your family was really a determined effort to control your life at all costs. You see, God never promises balance, so this new life that feels semi-chaotic is likely a symptom of a couple attempting to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And no matter chaos... You will be full of joy because Jesus is definitely more satisfying than the God of control. Men, husbands, this is God's call on our lives. It is one of the noblest callings on the planet. And I'll bet in the midst of your leading courageously, you will rediscover the woman you fell in love with, Zach. Women, as you read, know that there were many years when I did not feel released to use my gifts. And in my insecurity, I fought for my rights and nagged for my freedom. That didn't work. Our marriage became healthy again with a lot of time and prayer and counseling and surrender. We are having a lot of fun these days. It's worth the work. Scripture talks about a day when there will no longer be slave or free. Jew or Greek, 
male or female, but that day hasn't come yet. These tensions won't last forever. As a woman, I pray that my daughter's worth and identities aren't based on how they perform roles as a mother or daughter or a wife or a friend or an employee. I pray that their souls are steadied and secure because their eyes are laser focused on the one who built and rescued their souls. I pray this for all of us. Wow. Some things to think about, Kay. Whose voices do you find yourself listening to? Whose is the loudest? Which people will you decide not to listen to? React to the statement. You are not obligated to bend to the convictions and judgment of every person around you. Or you will never do anything. Have you ever felt you were bending to everyone around you? What was it like? Who do you feel who do you feel released and affirmed by? If you are married, have you experienced tensions with your husband about your dreams? How can you address that tension? What work will you have to do to promote dream releasing relationships in your life? Okay. What would you like the listeners to read and reflect on next week? So read Colossians 3, keeping in mind your answers to today's questions. Who is the ultimate authority in our lives? Verses 1 through 4, 17, 23. What are the characteristics of God's chosen people? Verses 12 through 17. How do those characteristics inform the instructions for Christian households in verses 18 through 25. And how do those characteristics define a relationship that has been raised with Christ? What are the key components of teaching and admonishment in verses 16? After reading these passages, consider the answer to these two questions. Who are you, Lord? And what do you want for me? If today were your last day, where would you spend eternity? It's your choice.